That snap, crackle, pop sound that you heard earlier was just my knees as I was getting up from my uh, from the bench there. And uh, I, I do like the breakfast cereal, but sometimes the snap, crackle, pop comes naturally. Let's take our Bibles. Let's go to Second Timothy, chapter two or chapter four, and we're beginning to read verse one here in a moment. Uh, again, I, I want to say to the congregation and everyone that may be coming in, how blessed I was with the church uh, yesterday or Friday night as we had our services and then, of course, uh, praying for me and everything that goes on in the meantime. I do cherish your prayers. Uh, for those of you that don't know, I will be having surgery tomorrow. And uh, so I'm scheduled, to, Dennis and I are going to go up to Columbus tonight, and we'll spend the night up, up in Columbus, and then uh, first thing in the morning, uh, in fact, what was funny, they called me and they said, well, what time are you supposed to be at the hospital? I said, 5 o'clock. She said, not 5.30. I said, ma'am, I'll be there at 5 o'clock. And she goes, well, why so early? I said, I want to make sure I'm there on time, you know, no matter what. And so 5.30, they're going to start prepping me. Uh, they'll call me back, and then uh, it's a four-hour surgery. You know, and uh, someone made a comment. They said, uh, you know, about Gilligan's Island, where it's supposed to be a three-hour tour. And uh, someone said, that particular boat only goes 18 miles per hour, you know, on open water. And they said, so they weren't that far away, and yet they were able to get lost. So that tells you a lot about our Coast Guard. Well, when they tell you you're going to go four hours under the knife, or whatever, it's kind of getting a little bit concerning, like, why is it going to take so much time? You know, I thought it was just a simple procedure, but, you know, I'm going to leave that all into the hands of the Lord. And pray for me, because uh, I've already been thinking about how I want to enter into the operating room, and I want to pray with the doctor, and I want to pray with the nurses, and if they ask me why, I'm saying, you know, your hands are on my body. My body belongs to the Lord. I just want to make sure we're all in, in succinct here, you know. So we'll see if they get a laughter out of that. Let's take our Bibles again. Let's read from Second Timothy chapter 4. We're going to read the entire chapter. And uh, to give you a little bit of a highlight, this is Paul's closing chapters, closing part of the letter. And uh, already he's given a great charge to Timothy. There was a great love affair. He did not pass on his apostleship. The last time that we ever see the apostle where we saw a transfer of the apostleship was in Acts chapter 1. We saw that Paul was called an apostle to the Gentiles, being the singular. But then when we take a look at this one, it is the charge that is given to a young man who is going to be carrying on the ministry, not as an apostle, but as a believer and as a preacher of the word of God. Notice what we see in verse 1. I charge thee therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead at the appearing of his kingdom, preach the word, be instant in season, out of season, rebuke, reprove, rebuke, exhort with all one suffering and doctrine. For the time will not come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but rather their own to themselves teachers having itching ears. They shall turn away their ears from the truth, and shall be turned unto fables. But watch thou in all things, endure afflictions to the work of an evangelist, make full proof of thy ministry. For I am now ready to be offered, and the time of my departure is at hand. I have fought a good fight, 
I have finished my course, I have kept thy faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me in a crown of uh, righteousness, which the Lord the righteous judge shall give me at that day, and not only to me, but unto all them also which love is appearing. That includes me. I have a crown of righteousness that's waiting for me. Do thy diligence to come shortly unto me. For Demas hath forsaken me, having loved this present world, and is departed unto Thessalonica, Cretans uh, to Galatia, Titus unto Dalmatia. Only Luke is with me. Take Mark and bring him with thee, for he is profitable to me for the ministry. Antichius have I sent to Ephesus. The cloak that I left at Troas with Carpus, when thou comest, bring with thee, and the books, but especially the parchments. Alexander the coppersmith did me much evil. The Lord reward him according to his works, of whom be thou ware also, for he hath greatly withstood our works. And the first answer, and at my first answer, no man stood with me, but all men forsook me. I pray God that it may not be to be laid to their charge. Notwithstanding, the Lord stood with me and strengtheneth me by the preaching might might be fully known, and that all Gentiles might hear. And it was delivered out of the mouth of the lion. And the Lord shall deliver me from every evil work, and will preserve me unto the heavenly kingdom, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Salute, Priscilla and Aquila, and the household of Anesphorus. Erastus abode at Corinth, but Trophimus have I left at Miletia sick. Do thy diligence to come before winter. Eubulus greeteth thee, and Pudens, and, and uh, Linus, and Claudia, and all the brethren. The Lord Jesus Christ be with thy spirit. Grace be with thee, and to you. Amen. So I pray the Lord will forgive me for all the different mistakes that I made, but I want you to consider the power of these words as it was delivered by Paul in the closing letter that we have today. And we're going to be looking at this title, Embracing Glory. But let's go to the Lord in prayer as we find ourselves getting ready. Again, Lord, I want to thank you for the mercies that you bestowed upon me. And I pray, Father, that you will continue to bless in the preaching of thy word. Lord, let it, let it be said never of us that we would be down in our thinking, down in our mouths, or anything else for that reason. But instead, Lord, that we might rejoice over the good that you alone can bring. I know, Lord, that each and every day that we have challenges, we have things that are in our lives that we know not about, but, Lord, we pray that you will give us the grace and the strength and the mercy and the ability to withstand even in this evil time. So guide and bless, Lord. May I preach thy word. Help me, the Father, to relax upon you and be ready to live with thy mercies and thy truth. For it's in Christ we pray. Amen. When I take a look at this, I, I oftentimes want to think about my own writings. Now, I've had many opportunities where I write, but there's been nothing more satisfying to me as a writer of fiction when someone has said uh, to me, what happened to those individuals, or where's the sequel, or anything of this nature. Some of the best books that were out there are, are those books that leave you hanging, leave you, with, you know, thinking about what's, what's going to happen next. And what's interesting about this book, about this letter that was written to uh, the brethren that, uh, you know, Brother Timothy, 
is that it kind of leaves us hanging because we don't know what happened to Paul. Now, most of us agree that have studied the Word of God that this was the last letter that was addressed by Paul to anyone as he was now a prisoner in Rome. This may be his second imprisonment. You see, there's a lot of people that believe, and I'm one of those, that Paul was originally delivered to Rome, but if you recall, in the Roman letter, he said that he desired to go to Spain. And so he would have been released, gone off to Spain, with the promise that he would return back to Rome. When he returned to Rome, there he found that uh, he was brought back into house arrest, and under his own recognizance, if you will. And so while he was there, again, he would have the opportunity to write many letters. Well, all of this is subject to understanding, subject to what others have written, and we begin to see it from that point of view. But the thing that I love about it is Paul is concluding this letter with three things. I'm of a right mind is the first one. The second one that Paul begins to write in this one is also that he says, I am a man that is ready. And lastly, he is a man that is ready to go forward for the Lord. So don't think that Paul is writing the concluding letter stating that I'm ready to die. That's not the purpose of this letter. The, the purpose is I know that I'm ready to go when the Lord wants me, but till then I'm still ready to continue on for the Lord. I don't know exactly when the book of Hebrews was written, and some people have said that it was written by Luke. Uh, others want to say it was written by Peter. But I am a firm believer myself that it was written by Paul, mainly because Paul was able to argue uh, again and knowing every little detail of the Jewish history, also the Jewish people. And so that's my own feelings on it. And, you know, I will find out more when I arrive in the heavenly places. But I want to begin by going with the charge. Notice it goes in verse 1 through verse 4. It says, I charge you therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom. Preach the word, be instant in season, out of season, rebuke, reprove, rebuke, exhort with all suffering and doctrine. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lusts shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears, and they will turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned to fables. I hate to say this, but I have seen so many people in this world today that they can blaspheme the name of God, even preachers. They can let a curse word slip out. And it doesn't bother them. The reality is, is that when I hear even Christians who are professing Christians, people who say they belong to the Lord Jesus Christ, and they turn around and they allow certain things to uh, be a part of the vocabulary or their walk or anything else, I wonder just how strong they are in their faith. Did you notice that, the, that Paul is telling Timothy, I give you a charge. Now, in this own auditorium, I had the privilege uh, of ordain, helping with the ordination of my father. That's an interesting story. is because my ordination plaque upstairs shows that my father was on my ordination when he was a member of another church. And then when he joined this church, he said, the only way I would become a deacon is if I was reordained as a member of this church. And so I got to sit on this one. It, it, it's an unusual story, but it's true. 
And the reality is, is that I preached, and they asked me to preach my father's charge. So as I preached the charge to my father, it was difficult to do, knowing that this is the man that raised me all my life. This is the man that cared for me my life. And yet, as I preached the charge, I looked at him, and with all fervor, I took it from 2 Timothy chapter 4. And I know a lot of people say, well, a deacon doesn't have to preach. Oh, contraire. Let's go to uh, Acts, and let's go to chapter 6, and that's where we'll begin. In Acts chapter 6, and notice with me, if you will, this, uh, the call of the deacons. Now notice what it says in verse 1. And in those days, when the number of the disciples was multiplied, there arose the murmuring of the Grecians, which means the Greek Jews, against the Hebrews, or the Hellenistic Jews, because their widows were neglected in the daily menstruation. And the twelve called the multitude of the disciples unto them and said, It is not reason that we should have the word of God and serve tables. Wherefore, brethren, look out from among you seven men of honest report, full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom, whom we may appoint over this business. But we will, we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word. And the saying pleased the whole multitude, and they chose them Stephen, a man full of faith, and the Holy Ghost, and Philip, and Prochorus, and Nicanor, and Timon, and Parmenas, and Nicholas, the proselyte of Antioch. Now those were the seven men that were the first deacons of the church of Jerusalem. Now how strong was Stephen? Let's go to chapter 7. And the high priest, uh, uh, then said the high priest, are these things so? And he said, men, brethren, fathers, hearken the, the, the God to our father Abraham, and he was gone into Mesopotamia before he dwelt in Carius, and said unto him, Get thee out of thy country and from thy kindred, and come into the land which I swear unto thee. Well, I can go on with chapter 7. I really don't want to go all the way down. But notice that while you see this chapter 7, what this is all about was that there was a challenge to Stephen because he preached the word and confounded even the wisest of men that was trained even at the feet of, of Gamaliel, if you will. And it is said that even Saul and the argument that Stephen was being able to present. In chapter 8, we begin to see that another deacon was being able to be forced forward. And this was one that we now know as Philip, who not only preached in uh, Samaria and helped start the Samarian church as an evangelist, but later on when he went down and witnessed to the Ethiopian eunuch. All of these men show that there is a responsibility to preach the word. Now, let's put it this way. When we call a deacon, or we, we see a man who is surrendering the minister, there's two things I want you to remember. Number one, have they proved themselves in the congregation? Now think about that for a moment. We are a small church, and we're blessed to have two deacons. And so before they were ever called as deacons, the question came in, have they proven themselves to be men that are qualified to be deacons? If you want to know more about the qualifications, go look at 1 Timothy chapter 3. And what's interesting is that with a deacon... Even the wife is mentioned. Yes, Jamie, I hate to pick on you this way, but the reality is, is that we look to even the deacon's wife to see if she is a good make 
to be a pat or a deacon's wife, and she can also serve the church. Same holds with Carla and Greg. Reality is that at any moment, the deacon may have to stand up and present the Word of God and to preach the Word of God, either in the community to stand firm upon the faith or to stand before the congregation and be firm there as well. Men full of the Holy Ghost, full of No man has a complete, perfect understanding of the Word of God. Did you notice that the Apostle said, the reason that we want you to select deacons is so that we can continue in prayer and be given over to the Word of God. That meant that they had to study it and they had to present it. Uh, I remember this. One, one of the things that amazed me many years ago was how that uh, in the Oregon Territory, back when they had loggers and they needed, and they really needed people that would go out and cut down trees, things like that, one Baptist minister would go out with a blank piece of paper, and the first thing he would do is he would nail that blank piece of paper to a tree. And as he would be cutting down a tree, a thought might come to him about a sermon that he was going to preach that, you know, that coming Wednesday night or whatever. And he would get up and he would go over and write down his point on that piece of paper that he had on the tree. He'd go back and cut some more and do whatever. And then when the next thought came to him, he would go over and he would write that. He was a powerful preacher such that he remembered the Word of God, remember what he read, and what the things that were really bothering him, or that was concerning him when he would preach. He was a worker, you know, in the field, but he was a worker under Christ. And it is said of those men that were in the uh, camp, that they, they knew him as a preacher, but they also knew him as a man of God. So the thing that we understand about this, when Paul is giving his charge to Timothy, there's a great embrace that is there. Now, one of the things that we got to understand about Paul is what he thought of himself. Let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter, verse, chapter 15. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. And even Paul made this statement regarding himself. Look what it says here. It's amazing to take a look at this. Uh, in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, the Apostle Paul speaks of the ascension of Jesus Christ. But in the ascension, he speaks of how many people saw Jesus before he ascended into heaven. Look at verse 8. And last of all, he also. Now wait a minute, did he see the ascension? Most unlikely, the apostle Paul did not see the ascension, but what he did see was the living Christ. You know the first time that he saw that? Was on the road to Damascus. Acts chapter 9, when suddenly a great light shined and it blinded him. And, he, and when he heard the voice of the Lord saying, Saul, Jesus made, man, made sure that Paul knew who it was that he saw. I am Jesus whom thou persecutest. Look what else it says. Uh, in verse 8 again, And last of all, seen of me also as one born out of due time. For I am the least of the apostles. I am not meet to be called an apostle because I per persecuted the church of God. I'm not worthy to be an apostle. You know, let's put it this way. God this worthy to whether we are deacons, whether we're Sunday school teachers, whether we are singers in the house of God, whether I'm a priest.
preacher or not, God what to make me the worthy one. I'm right because of Jesus Christ alone. Verse 10. But by the grace of God, I that is. I like to work. I wish I could say otherwise, but I enjoy working. I like experimenting. I like doing certain things. Sometimes i got to get my giddy-up going so I can get up and get more done. But the reality is I like to work. But notice that even Paul said, I am what I am. You can't change me, and God doesn't want me changed. Look what else he said. I am what I am, and his grace which was bestowed upon me was not in vain. I persecuted the church, but now I sing the praises of God. How many of us have ever sing, sung a song that said, I was blind, but now I see. I was a sinner. I'm no longer, do you realize I am no longer a sinner saved by grace? I'm a prince. I am literally an adopted child of God. And the thing is, when I pass from this earth, I should embrace the idea that I shall stand in the glory of God. Notice again, but I am labored more abundantly than, all, than they all. Notice also again that there were three requirements to really become an apostle. Let's go to the book of Acts, chapter 1. And, I've, and this is the thing that I really believe that our apostleships today are done. The Lord first sent into the church the apostles. But after the apostles, the Lord then continued on with preachers, deacons, we can use the term bishop, and, and that should never scare us. The word bishop simply means one who's in charge of the congregation of elders. Look what it says, though, in, uh, in Acts chapter 1. Let's go down to verse 20. And notice that, that we are told of what are the qualifications. Verse 24, it is written in the book of Psalms, let his habitation be desolate, and let no man therein and his bishopric another take. The word bishop again, his ministry, his preaching, his doing, let someone else have it. Verse 21, wherefore these men which have companied with us in other words, they have listened to the Lord Jesus Christ. All the time they knew his ministry. They walked with, his, with him in the ministry. And they understood what Jesus had to say. That's the first qualification. In, you know, that he walked with the Lord in and out among us. Number two, beginning from the baptism of John. They had to have scriptural baptism, that of John. We also had John's baptism. Though we don't have it directly, it is passed on to us from Jesus Christ down through the centuries, even now. Until the same day that he was taken up from us, must one be ordained with a witness of his resurrection. So once again, the three, the three requirements, he, was, he had to go in and out from the beginning. He was taught of Jesus, and the third part was that he received John's baptism. Those are the only qualifications whereby we can have an apostle. And by the way, how many of y'all know that the, the Pope classifies himself as Jesus Christ? He is Jesus incarnate upon this earth. But may I point this out to you? God's word is the word of God. 
understand this. God's Word is the Word of God. It is unchanging. It is complete. If I understood this, this Word alone, I don't want to change it. I don't want to I just want to learn it just as it is. I have enough that I can be an example for others. God never called me to change His Word. And you ready for this? No apostle ever changed the Word of God. Get that in your mind. Why do so many people want to be apostles so they can change the Word of God? Nowhere in Scripture do we ever see the changing of the Word of God. All the apostles were given over to uh, what you would say a martyr's death save one, and that was John. Now a lot of people say, why wasn't John martyred? I believe that his final role was to make sure that this Bible was canonized. Now you say, what is the canon? That's the 66 books that we knew. And you know, even there was an argument that continued, even after the death of John, of which Bible books could actually be attached. They didn't, want the, they didn't mess with the Old Testament. Those Old Testament books, that 37 books of the Old Testament, they left them alone. They left the four Gospels alone. But they immediately began to look for the manuscript. Let me, let me just tell you this. Come on now. I want you to be real. Do you know that there are those that hold that there is the book of Judas? And they want to say that the book of Judas denies the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Is that really scripture? How many of y'all know that there's, has anyone ever walked through the, the uh, supermarket stand and saw the missing books of the Bible? There are no missing books. And if you pick that thing up, it's the Apocrypha. There's nothing about the Apocrypha that is even holy, much less. And everyone says, well, but between the And even the Mesorite Jews would not accept it. There's nothing missing. God gave us his word. And we have to defend it. Not because we are something special, but because he allows us to defend it. Let me also point this out to you. Another thing is, is that Paul was a witness of Jesus Christ. And this proves that he was worthy to be apostle. Let's go to 2 Corinthians. Once again, this is chapter 12. I want you to see 2 Corinthians chapter 12. And I'll make reference to this one as well a little bit later. But I want you to see this beginning at verse 1. 2 Corinthians chapter 12 verse 1. And I love the way Paul writes this. It is not expedient for me, doubtless to glory, I will come to visions and revelations of the Lord. Okay? I know a man in Christ about 15 years ago, whether in the body I cannot tell, or whether out of the body I cannot tell, God to the third heavens. Can you imagine that? Paul was going to go up into glory and be trained of Jesus Christ directly. Look what else he says. And I knew such a man, whether in the body or out of the body, I cannot tell, God knoweth, how that he was caught up in the Of such a one, I will glory. Yet of myself, I will not glory, but in my infirmities. In other words, he goes, I will glory in what God allowed me to see and to hear, but I will not glory in myself. 
For though I would desire to glory, I shall not be a fool. For I will say the truth, but now forbear, lest any man should tell me above that which he, he see, seeth me to be, or that heareth of me. The reality is, why Paul could write these sweet words of charge to Timothy is because he said, my day is nearly done. There's a preacher down in Georgia, and he made this statement, a beautiful statement. He said, I really would like to have a successor, my successor, in this pulpit. I realize that that man has no authority or right to choose his successor for the pulpit. That's up to the church. My job as a pastor is to not only instill the Word of God, but instill it in such a way that all of us understand it. Do you realize that, that when I was young in the ministry, and I'll, I'll just be honest with you, when I was young in the ministry, I, I was afraid of preaching on the election of God. I didn't want to offend anybody. But then I realized, well, if they're going to be offended, they're going to be offended anyway. So preach the truth. And as we got into election, I, I remember that the first time that I was ever down in um, Somerset, Kentucky area, I was asked if I would consider becoming their pastor. And in an inopportune, inopportune meeting, you know, at a family's home, one question was poised to me. What do you believe are the elements of the Lord's Supper? Interesting question. And my first statement was, unleavened bread. And they all were glad for that. And they said, what do you believe is the drink? I said, this may end my ministry, but it's wine. And they rejoiced. <laughs> Let me tell you something. Most of Kentucky, or a lot of Kentucky, they believe in grape juice. And I told them, I said, grape juice is not wine, and it will spoil. Never the blood of Christ. Why then do we find that we're afraid of the truth because our opportunities depend upon it. Let the truth be truth. Trust in the Lord, and he will give you grace. Not only that, but think about this. We see the blessing of Paul in this charge to where he is able to pass on the blessing to Timothy. Now get this. This is beautiful. Turn with me, if you will, to Genesis chapter 49. And I want you to see a few people have the opportunity to give a blessing to their families. The one I love here, first of all, in Genesis chapter 49, Jacob is old, he's decrepit, he's in the land of Egypt. Now, we're not going to read the entire chapter, though we could. But notice what Jacob does in verse 1. And Jacob called unto him his sons and said, Gather yourselves together that I may tell you that which shall befall you in the last days. Wow, that's amazing, isn't it? Come to me. Gather yourselves together and hear, you sons of Jacob, and hearken unto Israel your father. Do you realize Jacob was going to give his children the last statement that they would ever hear from him? He begins with Reuben. Simeon, Levi, and then we get into Judah. 
And as he begins to tell them each one of their positions and their woes, how special it was to hear it. But I want you to see even one more. Go to 1 Kings, and let's go to chapter 2. I, I so would love to be able to do this when my time comes to leave this earth. And no, I'm not ready to leave. But I would love to be able to do this. David is now well struck in ears. And so in the, the final statement of David's life, he has already met one final challenge. He, you see, he had a son named Adonijah. And Adonijah tried to usurp the authority of David and ascend to the throne. David understood the direction because by Adonijah standing strong as he did, he could make Joab into his own general and everything would continue. But I want you to read chapter 2 and look what was said from David as he gave a final charge to Solomon. Now the days of David drew nigh that he should die and he charged Solomon his son. Isn't that beautiful? Just, just like that. You're the next king. I want to give you a charge. I go the way be thou strong thyself a man. Wow, isn't that beautiful? And keep the charge of the Lord thy God to walk in his ways, to keep his statutes and his commandments, and his judgments and his testimonies, and as is written in the law of Moses, that thou mayest prosper all the days that thou doest, and whithersoever thou, thou turnest thyself. Let me tell you something. That is the best words any man could ever give his children as they walk away into their own life. I've had opportunity. Now listen to me. Listen to me. What our children do with the charge at that moment is their responsibility. Solomon, at first, listened to this. But as Solomon got older, what did he do? He turned his heart from listening to God and went after his wives, pagan gods. Verse 4. That the Lord may continue his word which he spake concerning me, saying, If thy children take heed to their way, if thy children take heed... Oh, my goodness. Aren't those great words? I remember my own dad. You know, I want to tell you something. Hold your place there just for a moment. When I was younger, I was a successful engineer. I had designed and developed, you know, into a strong engineer. No brag, just fact. I'd been invited to Egypt. I'd been invited to South America to go work on equipment. When people would have simulator problems, I mean, I was literally invited to go anywhere and everywhere. In fact, when I was hired on with one company, I was no, I no sooner had sat down in San Diego, California, and they wanted me to fly to San, uh, Jacksonville, Florida, because they were having problems. I said, well, that's all well and good. And from memory, I was able to fix the equipment. I bring that up for one reason. God had to take all that away from me in order to follow him carefully. Because of my success, my dad loved what I did for a living. And he knew I'd make, make plenty of money at, at that kind of job. My biggest fear 
was telling Dad where I was going to go to the mission work first. And I remember I drove from my, my, my home that was in Wilmington, Ohio, and I drove all that time, and I went to Dad, and I said, Dad, I, I, I drove this way to tell you one thing. I come all this way to tell you that I'm now going into full-time ministry. I have to give up my job. I was waiting for the backlash. I was waiting for my dad to say, that's the most foolish thing. And my dad was a wonderful Christian man. Those that know my dad. And he looked at me with loving eyes and he said, I knew this day was coming. I literally felt my spirit sink. I want, I want you to know, Mike, I knew this day was coming. The greatest joy that any man should ever receive of his faithful children are the words, I have to be about my father's business. Many blessings. You know, I wanted to tell Daniel I didn't get the chance about continued prayer. It was while I was in the mission work in Ohio that my dad told me about my Aunt Cletus coming to trust Christ as her Savior. What a blessing. Once again, notice what Paul, or what, what we see here David saying to Solomon. In verse 4 it said, If thy children take heed to their way, to walk before me in truth in all their heart and with all their soul, there shall not fail thee, said he, a man on the throne of Israel. So you had Solomon, Hezekiah, Jehoiada. I mean, we had a very few men that were able to set and truly follow the Lord. So many others were wicked. Moreover, thou knowest also what Joab, the son of Zerah, did to me. And what he did to the two captains of the host of Israel, and to Abner, and the sons of Ner, and the sons of Amasa, the son of Jehur, whom he slew, and shed the blood of war in peace, and put the blood of war upon his girdle that was about his loins, and his shoes that were on his feet. Do therefore according to thy wisdom, and let not his, let not his hoary head go down to the grave in peace. Now I can go on. But the thing that I find that was so amazing is that David gave a charge to his son. I don't know what God will bless this church with. Don't you want to see some young people come to know the Lord? Don't you want to see some young preachers come in and, and really sit down and say, I want to embrace the truth. Show me the Word of God in truth and not be easily twisted by the things of this world. God can do it. I have more points that I would love to go in. I've only got one point out of the way. But we're going to conclude in our service there. The Lord's willing, the next time we're together, I'll start with a man ready. But we want to conclude in our service at this moment, and we'll get ready to dismiss. Let us bow our heads together. Again, Father, thank you for your blessings. Now, Lord, as we conclude in thy service, continue to bless and direct, and we will give you forth the praise, the honor, and the glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Brother Randy, if you will, please come.